Hey everybody, Pastor Worth here for West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you are new, welcome. Thanks for joining us. If not, welcome back. Merry Christmas and a joyous Advent to all of you. Uh, and if this season is not a joy to you and you feel like there's darkness all around, like many do, uh, with everything going on in the world right now, I encourage you to lean into the story of Jesus and his coming into the world. He is the light in the dark when all of the lights go out. He shines brighter than anything. May you discover that and hold on to that. Now, we still have a couple items we don't want you to forget during this season, and they may help you dispel the darkness and embrace the light that Jesus has to offer. So first, we are incredibly stoked to gather with all of you for Christmas Eve on December 24th at 6 p.m. right here on our West Seattle campus in our worship center. We'll have carols by candlelight and an encouraging message about the birth of Jesus, which is really good news of great joy for all people. So please invite your friends and family and your neighbors. Second, we are still collecting socks for the West Seattle Food Bank's Clothesline Program, so help us spark joy and hope and love this season by telling everyone to bring socks to the service on Christmas Eve. I also want to give a quick shout out to all of you in our growing online community on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok around the world. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And last and certainly not least, West Seattle Christian Church is all about spreading the good news of Jesus to our neighborhood and city and around the world in practical and in very tangible ways. So we continue to give amazing amounts of finance away to families in need, local nonprofits and missionaries who are on the front lines of poverty and disease and war. Uh, will you help us continue all of this amazing work by contributing not only as you regularly do, but maybe just a little bit more over the next few weeks as we approach the end of the year? If you haven't jumped into our key value as a church of generosity by giving yet, we'd love to have you join us in that way. It's easy and it just takes a few clicks. You can find all of the giving information you need within our app, available on our digital phone platforms, or uh, at one simple web, app, web address, westseattlechristian.gives. You can also text to give at 888-364-GIVE. That's 888-364-4483. Thank you so much for your generosity and support. Okay, let's jump into the message for today. We have been talking about growing in Christ for the last several weeks, and our framework, as we said last week, has been focused on Jesus' words in the Great Commandment found in Matthew 22, where Jesus himself says that the entire law and the prophets, in other words, the entire story of the Bible, what it's about, are summarized in two commands, love God and love others. And we've been working with this Venn diagram, which shows us where we should be aiming and we've talked about having our hearts in the right place as we work on this, trying to understand what God's part is, what their part is, anybody other than you or I, and then what our part is. That means you and me. So again, today we're talking about our part. And so this sermon is for you. And we're doing that by examining another one of Jesus's parables. This one is probably very familiar to some of you, and it's called the story of the Good Samaritan. Starting in Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? All right. And that's because 
the guy who's asking this question of Jesus assume that there are some people that are his neighbor and some people who aren't. And in typical ninja rabbi fashion, Jesus doesn't give an answer to this upstart lawyer's question. He begins to tell a story. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And that, you know, that leaves us with this question. Have you ever needed help and people passed you by? And we have to be honest, too. How many times do we pass people by? Ever see someone on social, any social platform, post something that's an obvious plea for help? Do you keep scrolling? Or does this script play in your head? Man, what a drama queen when somebody posts something like that. How many times do we walk to the other side of the road, both literally or figuratively, to avoid what could be really a, quite a messy problem? And then Jesus throws a huge plot twist into the story. And sometimes we don't understand the profound nature of what he's doing. Just think of the person who you would absolutely hate to have help you. Someone you would never want to have help you. Fix that person in your mind. You have a real problem with this person. You might say you hate them. You don't like them. And you're pretty sure they don't like you. You think they are the worst. This is the person that if you saw them coming to help you, you would pretend at all costs that you were fine and didn't need help. Like, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Maybe it's a person in your family. Maybe it's someone who affiliates blue or red or who voted the exact opposite of you in the last presidential election. Maybe it's a religious person. Maybe it's an atheist. Maybe it's your literal next door neighbor. Maybe it's a parent, an ex-spouse. Think of that person who you would hate to have help you and then substitute their name into this story when it says Samaritan. Let's pick it back up in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set, on, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And what I want you to do here is pay attention to everything he is doing. He doesn't just see him and have compassion. He goes to him. He binds his wounds. He takes his own oil and wine, puts it on him. How do you, how do you put him on his own animal? Which means that now, he, now the Samaritan has to walk the distance instead of ride. And then he spends the night and takes care of him. If you didn't pick that up from reading the text, he actually spends the night and, and wakes up the next morning, and then the story continues. In other words, he could have just gone on and just left him there. Verse 35, and the next day he, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So after all that he's already done, he doesn't just pay for that night and then leave. He, he pays the innkeeper to take care of him for however long it takes. If you need to pay for anything else, I'll cover the cost. My part in this man, man's life isn't done yet. What does this man do? He opens up his schedule. He opens up his life. He opens up his safety because he's going to go to Jerusalem and he opens up his wallet. And maybe most importantly, he opens up his worldview. This is what loving your neighbor means. He makes space. He makes a space in his life and in his heart for this person to serve him and take care of him. 
Now you and I will say things like, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money, you know, and truthfully, we do have enough time and we do have enough money. Like we really do. For example, if your car breaks down or your kid gets sick or your air conditioning or your heater breaks or whatever other problem, you know, guess what magically appears in your life? Time on your calendar to take care of these things because these things matter and you have to deal with them. You will make time and space for the things that matter to you and the things that inconvenience you. What Jesus is asking us is this, will you do that? Will you do that same thing for others? Will you make time for others? And that means both kinds of time, pre-planned time where you plan things in advance. We all do this. If you have friends, you make time for them. You make a time to get together. You make time for your spouse and kids, hopefully. You make time for church. You make time for your kinfolk group. But you also make time in your life for things that pop up out of nowhere, the spontaneous things, whether it's an opportunity or whether it's an inconvenience. Will you do that also for others? Then it says in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And can you just picture the lawyer who has played into this setup that Jesus has just laid down? He's a lawyer. Just picture him. Jesus just whooped him. I can, I can just see the lawyer's posture slump, and he kind of mumbles his answer in verse 37. It says, he said, one who showed mercy, you know, kind of like that. Do you realize what he says? The one who showed him mercy? This guy's not even willing to say the Samaritan. And Jesus said to him, probably with a little grin, you go and do likewise. I don't know if you know this, but our society has a problem with the word love. We don't really know what it means anymore. And before you're quick to judge the other people around you, you know, who you think this message is for, I want you to stop and smack yourself because this message is for you. There's a good chance that you are probably one of the two opposites that I'm going to talk about right now. You probably fall into this one of these camps. There's the person that is all about love and acceptance. And I'm not saying love doesn't have anything to do with acceptance. What I mean by this is that in our society, the kind of love people talk about all the time about acceptance it's basically, basically effectiveness. It's not effective. And it's also a little bit self-contradictory because what we really mean is that everyone has to be accepting of this, whatever this is that they're talking about. You have to accept it. And it's self-contradictory a little bit because if you're not accepting of this, then you won't be accepted. And it also means that we can't have a deep, meaningful, and often hard conversation with other people because I just have to accept them. I just have to love them, you know, and if, and if you're like that, well, then let's just flip. If you like that, you know, let's just flip the script for a second. On the other side, there are those who are quick to judge and blame and point out where others are wrong and say that they have the corner on the market of truth. And really what they're doing, what we're doing, if, if that's you, if that's me, we're doing the same thing the other group has done. We just flipped it. And what's really interesting here is that Jesus invites us to stop doing either of these and instead Make some space for people. And what you find is that if you do this, love on one side and truth on the other can meet in the middle. If you are willing to allow for God to orchestrate moments for you, powerful things will happen and love and truth will collide and it'll be amazing. We were talking early on in this series about God's part and their part and my part. And when I hear that, I can't help but think of Ephesians 2, which says this. 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't you just love this? I love what this says. God is always doing his part. He's actively at work in this world, in your life. He knows what your schedule is. He knows what your finances are. He knows what your worldview is. He knows what your skill set is. He knows your abilities. He knows what connections you have. He's actively at work in your life, preparing the situations and the path that he desires you to walk. And why? Because there's a bunch of good, beautiful things to be done. And he's calling us to make space for him and to make space for others so that we can love him and love other people, both planned and spontaneous. Are you willing to open your eyes and see all the millions of small, infinite moments that God is inviting you into that he has prepared for you? to allow God to do his part, to allow others to do their part, and for you then to enter into these moments and join him. Because God has already, that word workmanship, he has, it's the word poem, he has poetically prepared everything for you to jump into. You simply just have to be ready to do that and watch the miraculous and the magical happen. Seriously, an unexpected act or an unexpected word can have extraordinary outcomes. Like you are in one moment, one phrase, one deed away from dramatically changing someone's life. It's amazing what God can do. And you can just kind of step back and sit back and be like, dude, whoa. And I know this is hard work because I know I'm not giving you a formula because life just comes at you. Like if you encounter this situation, do this. And if you encounter this, then do that. And when you get to this place, then this next step, that's not what it's like because there's always exceptions and there's always graceful moments and yeah there are some things that are black and white scenarios and sometimes those are the good things because they tether us down to reality and help root us with something to work with when we're entering into the gray areas of the world when we find ourselves in a situation and we have no idea what to do but i promise you if you're willing to become the best version of yourself like we talked about two weeks ago and if you're willing to be intentional and to plan, and yes, even to scheme, like we talked about last week. Not for yourself, and not from deceit, but to do that, be willing to take your hands, which is where the word scheme or manipulate comes from. Take your hands, and your feet, and your intellect, and your ability. You're willing to apply yourself for the world and for others to come alongside people and help them in the best possible way. And if you're willing to make space for them, like we're talking about today, you will find that God shows up, and you you have this just complete honor of just being a part of that, and you will be amazed. The implication for today is that our job is to make room for God and for people, and hopefully the two spaces merge. Hopefully we make room for others, and we make room for God, and then they end up meeting in the same room. Let me tell you, it's really cool when it happens. So we're going to leave it there for today. Next week, we'll see you on Christmas Eve. If you're in one of our kinfolk groups, then the following questions are for you. What stands out to you about this text, this parable that Jesus has told? What does this text say about God and what does it say about other people? 
How can you specifically live out this passage in the next few days? Maybe create an I will statement for how you're going to do that and share it with someone else. And then who are you going to tell about what you've discovered in this text from this message and how it's changing your life? Until next time, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus. Produce good fruit, my friends.